Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy. And I told you guys, I keep telling you week in, week out, season four is all about the legends. And I, and again, my brother from another mother, Joss, introduced me to this guy, uh, Jeff Ronning, who is uh, an amazing human being. I mean, surprisingly, I didn't know who Jeff was, but I knew of his work, which is the first time that's ever happened where I know someone for what they did rather than knowing them. Um... And Jeff is like a really cool dude. It took us some time. Finally got him on the show, and he's here today. Jeff, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I can't wait to tell my wife I'm a legend. Oh, dude, you are. You're like a <laughs> legit legend. There's like no, th- th- there's nothing to even deny that. It's kind of one of those things where like he's not a legend. I'm like seriously, shut up and go to the back of the room. You're, you're fourth grader. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, so just, well, that's that's very kind of you, Adele. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Okay, so guys, just a real quick rundown on sponsors. As always, the show is sponsored by AdelMRC.com. Go there, check out the previous websites. Um, we have the email marketing fundamentals course going. Uh, well, the video is 16 minutes long, uh, where I break some stuff down. Opt in, get that. You know, write some emails, make some money, be happy. We're also sponsored by StealthSeminar.com. That's S-T-E-A-L-T-H Seminar.com, which our very good friend Jeff Ronning is the co-founder of and the founder of WebinarProsperityBlueprint.com. So if you check out both those sites, links will be in the description below and the description with the podcast. So that would be awesome. Jeff, dude, seriously, I know right now you're recovering from, what did you, what surgery did you get done? Was it your knee? Uh, no, it was my foot. Yeah, I'm 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 recovering right now. Last Friday, I had uh, my first surgery as an adult. I hadn't had surgery for um, you know since I was I don't know probably four when I got my tonsils out. So wow. um, yeah, it was it was a trip. I you know I wasn't um, in any way nervous, but but can I tell you what tripped me out the most? Go on. Um, so, you know, they wheel you in there and, um, you know, I expected to like get drowsy and stuff, right. From the anesthesia yeah. and, and, but instead it was just like, boom, I was out like, wow. And, and you know, so, um, yeah, recovering from a boxing injury, um, and, uh, I broke a couple bones and I was an idiot because see what happened is. I didn't go to the doctor for like three or four weeks because I thought it would get oh, better on its own. Dude. So, yeah. I feel you. That. What did you break, actually? Um, uh, right at the top of the foot. Um, I, don't, I don't know the, the, like, medical the names of the bones. Yeah. yeah. But right at the top of the foot where the foot kind of meets the leg um, and, and uh, like just maybe like an inch down from the, from the leg – I broke those bones there. Um, so, and I broke them um, at at the end, like the the end of October, beginning of November. I went to one doctor who um, who told me he could he wouldn't do surgery because of the fact I have type two diabetes. Oh, man. And so, you know, and and uh, he wanted me to basically quit quit boxing, quit any high intense exercise. And just live with it for the rest of my life. So I was lucky that I that I found another surgeon who said he literally said that guy's fucking nuts. Yeah. You know, he said, you need to fix this because if you don't fix it, it's going to get worse. Yeah. So 
it's one of those things like i've tried to avoid surgery in my i count my adult life from like 18 um like i try and avoid as much surgery as possible because uh i had three knee operations from thai boxing when i was in my mid-teens oh wow really yeah because i taught i was an idiot by the way like just straight up savage idiot as as, as a teenager because i thought i can get away with anything so what the hell did I, so I basically tore my acl in my right knee and then i thought after getting surgery i'd go back to the gym because they tell you you know give it eight weeks of rest i gave it four um because <laughs> you know you're like i'm a savage i can do this i don't need no rest because apparently my my inner voice at 16 sounded like uh mr t which is brilliant um yeah. so i basically ended up going back to the gym and i remember going okay my knee's fine i can't skip so i'll just work on my boxing i'll be fine i threw a left hook but as i went over on my knee my foot didn't pivot but my knee did and i tore my mcl oh. on my left knee i'm like are you fucking shitting me oh um and then after i healed i was like okay for like a year and i, I was skateboarding like the third time i was like all right i'm just gonna skate i'm gonna be fine my skateboard uh, hit a bump in the road. I went flying knee first into a wall and tore my ACL on my left knee again. Wow. It's like, wow. It's, it's crazy. Like, I damaged my knees pretty badly. Um, actually, so do they still bother you to this day? To a degree. Actually, you know what? I botched that. It's the other way around. So I'm actually sat here and re retired to this. It's like my, my right knee is the one with two operations. My left one isn't. But they do bother me uh, quite a bit. It, it, it's it's incredibly painful when the weather changes from being cold, hot to cold or cold to hot. Um, yeah, that's really common, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, in inflammation in the tendons and the joints that actually really kind of like, and the muscles are basically re really, really hurt. So whenever I do that, I've got to go sit down and pretend to be an old man, which is brilliant. It, it gives my friends so much joy. They're like, you're only 28. I'm like, yeah, I feel like I'm 68. It's all good though. I'll be yeah. the young whippersnapper running around. I don't learn my lesson. I still do jujitsu every day or as often as I can now and be like, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I don't know if there's anybody out there that's ever done any uh, Muay Thai, but, but that's a bad ass sport. I've never done it, but I have sparred with some people just to kind of move them around. Yeah. And even wearing like, you know, for people that aren't familiar, you know, you put on pretty heavy leg pads. Yeah, shin guards. Even wearing these really heavy leg pads, even someone kicking you lightly, it will hurt you for six weeks. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that, I, that I, is, I, I remember one of my hardcore. I remember one of my sparring partners making me wet. Like, so we had like the pull on. Um, the, this is like 10, 12 years ago. So they basically had a massive foam. Uh, pad in, in, your, in front of your shin and on your foot i had to wear two of those and one of the really heavy duty shin pads um to spar with him so my leg was like super heavy at this point so i could you know got very very i had to really swing my leg in i remember kicking him and he was like it doesn't matter how much padding you put on you can feel the bone of your shin digging into uh my thigh i was like yeah that's what tie boxes do we're just we're just nasty for that um but some, <laughs> something i kind of want to jump onto from just like that is the idea that uh, are you a, are you a Vasily Lomachenko fan by at all? Oh yeah, I'm a big Lomachenko. In fact, um, 
uh, Lomachenko is a boxer who's um, a professional now, but he was a crazy amateur. Oh, yeah. Um, 396 and one was his record. Don't worry. My crowd, they all know about this stuff because they're, they're huge. Oh, do fight. they? Yeah, they're cool. fight fans. Like anyone listening to my show is pretty much a fight fan. They're like, yeah. Let's. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I thought maybe everybody was tuning out by now, but if they're, uh, if they're fight fans, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, can I tell you my Lomachenko story? Oh, dude, please. Please do. So when he turned professional, um, but before he fought, I was at the Celebrity Theater in Phoenix and uh, for boxing, for boxing, night of professional boxing. And um, I was, uh, I got, I, you know, I know a lot of the, the media and the, um, you know, the people, the commission and the judges and all that stuff. So um, Lomachenko comes walking out and and I and I and I'm talk, I talked to my buddy. Uh, his name is Don Smith. He's a boxing journalist. And I'm like, uh, hey, that's Lomachenko. And he's like, uh, I, uh, you know, who is that? I go, oh, he's had 300 plus amateur fights. He's gonna he's gonna be a superstar. And for, so, make a long story short, me and Don went over, started ta- talking to Lomachenko, who couldn't talk a whole lot <laughs> at the time. Yeah. At the time, his English was not much there, but it was still an absolute thrill to get a picture with him, uh, to get his autograph, you know, and and of course he's made a huge splash in um, in professional boxing. In fact, you know, you can make a strong case that he is, you know, the top pound for pound boxer I would alive. S- I would say so, just simply because for the, for, for my fans that listen, they're like, well, what were they on about? What's that? This guy Lomachenko, if you look at his fight record, like his he's had one loss, by the way. He's had ten wins, he's had eleven fights total, and he's had one loss. And his loss was for a world title in his second professional fight. His first fight was for an actual world title, it's WBO inter um, international featherweight title. His second one was for the WBO featherweight title, just world championship. The third, like, and he lost that obviously. But the third, from his third fight all the way up until his tenth fight, he's won titles in the junior lightweight division, uh, featherweight, and super featherweight division. He's actually defeated everyone, um, and he's the last four opponents he's had have retired in the corner. Like they didn't want to come out. They, they were like, "We're done. We can't touch him. Fight's over. Please stop throwing in the towel." And um, and and a couple of those guys were were like at the highest level like they're guys that would that would destroy anybody else yeah like you uh, would never in a million years guess they would quit on their stool exactly like a guy called like uh nicholas uh, nicholas walters who was 20 who had 27 fights under his like he had uh, 27 fights under his belt he had one draw and 26 wins with one with 21 knockouts this guy was an absolute monster at the time. He quit on Lomachenko. Then you had uh, Rigandau, who was like yeah. an amazing Cuban boxer who was undefeated and a double Olympic gold medalist. The guy was amazing. He quit in the fight and he couldn't even... It, it's it's incredible. If you see this guy fight, it's it's legitimately watching a artist in the ring. Just There is very few people that you can say that about. I totally could. I totally agree. Could not agree more. The angles that he fights at and the way he's able to move in the ring just—it it must be, you know, so overwhelming and so confounding to these guys that they just say the heck with it because they're not quitting because 
it's not like they were knocked down and, you know, they can't see straight. They're quitting just due to the fact that they feel so overwhelmed that it's not even a competition. Yeah, they're like, why do I want to keep getting punched in the head for the next four <laughs> rounds when I can just quit now and be okay and save my brain? Because they have no chance. Yeah, it's like the guy that he's about to fight now, uh, Jorge Linares, is actually uh-huh. a really good boxer. I really, really like him. He's uh, he's a lightweight champion. He's heavier than Lomachenko. Um, but the crazy thing is, and this is something I've said even when I used to when I used to fight and when I used to uh, train others as well, it doesn't matter how strong you are, how quick you are, or how it, it doesn't matter about the base characteristics of how how hard you punch or kick or whatever it is. What matters is can you catch your opponent. Because if your opponent's got amazing reflexes and amazing angles, you're not going to touch them. Because you can be fast, but they would be out the way before you catch them. And that's what this fight is going to be. It's going to be between a guy with really honed speed and power versus a guy who's great everywhere. Like, there's very few holds in this game. He's like Khabib Khabib from the UFC. I'm not even going to try and attempt to say his surname right now. But it's almost the same level of dominance with Khabib's wrestling and Lomachenko's boxing. But yeah, it, 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 he's an amazing guy. And when he when he went dur- for, during his second fight, when he fought for a title, I mean, I've never even I've never seen that in my lifetime. That and was a split decision as well. And, and, you know, the way I mean, it was uh, Orlando Salido that he was fighting and Orlando was a tough wily veteran i mean that guy knows every sneaky trick in the book and um i would love to see them fight again i don't think it'd even be a competitive match but i'd like to see him fight again just so just so there's that closure there you know um and just so we could so we so we could see it that there's no there, it's not competitive. So we could kind of really see that growth from Lomachenko. He didn't really get beat in that fight. He got, he got outpointed by, by, got outpointed, one, yeah. by one or two rounds. And by the way, when we say that it's Salido is a master at stealing rounds. And what yeah. we mean like that is every fighter knows judges don't watch the full round. They watch the start. They look up around the two minute mark and they look up at the end to see how it's going down the last 10, 15 seconds. Um, they're not really paying attention. They're looking for what, what stays. And Salido is a master at that. He's really good at like knowing just when the judge is going to look and he really turns it up and then he slows back down again. So it looks like he's in control. But that that's how he won the fight with Lomachenko. And Lomachenko, honestly, if that went another round or another two rounds, it would have been the other way. But hey. It was- I, I totally agree. And I think also it was his <laughs> added ability to... Um, to um i don't want to say you know it was his added ability to bend the rules really to his to his benefit you know because in a lot of ways he reminds me very much of also bernard hopkins who's who's able to get away with a lot that is not typically allowed in boxing um you know uh so um but there's guys like that you know and and um it's, it's combat sports, so if if the ref isn't stopping it, then, you know. Play ball, basically. That's basically yeah. how it is. It's just like, if the ref's not stopping, play ball. Now, something I really, kind of like jumping off that point and going to like the business side for a second, because Stealth Seminar, uh, that's, what, over a billion dollars now? 
You guys have actually. Yes, it is. We've had we've had over a billion dollars of conversions on Stealth Seminar, which is mind boggling. I mean, it's just like crazy. Yeah, I mean, you guys. Uh, so. So when we say a billion dollars on conversions, what what we mean is our clients have put through a billion dollars of transactions. Yeah, yeah. On transactions. Yeah. But what I wanted to ask was like, how did you come up with this? Because if I remember the story correctly, there was nothing available at the time that could do what you guys were doing. And you kind of like, all right, can we build this? <laughs> can we build this thing that I want to do? Was that kind of the whole story of it? Or Yeah, I, I was running a different, you know, obviously I was running a different business because still seminar wasn't around. And I was doing a lot of webinars. Um for um you know both prospecting and for the sales of products and uh i was i was really beating my head against the wall you know because if you're doing a lot of webinars it's so much repetition and it's it's a lot of frustration so i just said to myself okay well i'm gonna automate this because i've always been a big automation guy and i just figured okay well obviously someone knows how to automate this and so the first place I went to was Citrix, like go to meeting, and I'm like, oh hell, they don't do it. And 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 then I looked around the web, and I'm like, what the hell? No one does this. So I thought, well, this will be easy to do, which was which was totally incorrect. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it took a couple of years to actually. I went through multiple development companies, and it took a couple of years to find the right person that could kind of lead the project. And um, so I started using it, and it was extremely successful. And at that time, I also had a couple um, marketing gurus on my list that were—I guess they were just on there because they had an interest in in that company, or they were just watching what I was doing. And they said, "Hey, I'd like to use that system of yours." And um, my wife was smart enough to tell me, "We'll take their money." So, um, you know, I went back to the person um, that was head of development for it, and. And uh, we decided, okay, well, let's let's make this, uh, you know, uh, a service we can offer. And um, lo and behold, it's it's been extremely successful, extremely successful. Oh yeah, I mean, like the client list. I remember first hearing about Stealth Seminar because of Frank Kahn, and then I saw Kevin Nations and Lisa Sasevich and Andy Jenkins and everyone else. Because like once one of them jumps on board, they all jump on board, and. It's incredible because you guys actually offer more than any other service out there that I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we started, um, our first day was uh, March 17th, 2010, and we still have some customers from that first week that are with us. And, um, you know, a lot of them will go try other services, which is fine. And um, they always come back to us. So yeah, it's, 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 it's really it's really cool, you know, to get to meet all those people and work with them. And yeah, yeah. See, something I love about about you, particularly Jeff, is the fact that even though you've had this massive success with what you're doing, you're still just a regular guy. And by that, what I mean by that, in the sense of like, there are some entrepreneurs for whatever reason. I know they're busy because I have it too. Where you know, you reach out to them, you speak to them. And you don't really get the time of day because, you know, they've got so much going on at the same time. Whereas with you, it's kind of like, yes, I'm busy, but I will always get back to you. 
I'll always find time to like, hey, thanks so much for reaching out to me. Thanks for letting me know. Oh, cool. Yeah, we'll do this. I'm not available for six weeks. Can we do something in six weeks? And and you follow through because, I mean, hell, you could have easily canceled today's podcast by going, oh, my foot's inflamed. I don't really feel like doing it. I'm going to go do something else. But you were like, no, I'll be there. I'll be there and do it. Which I well, thank you. Thank you, Adol. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, um, I... Um, I uh, I guess you know I am kind of a I'm kind of a easygoing guy, and I you know one of the one of the major things I learned um, from a mentor I had starting when I was thirty. Uh, I'm fifty two now. Wow, seriously? Um, Wait, you're fifty two? Yeah, yeah. Damn, dude, you look good for fifty two. <laughs> like seriously, I would not have guessed fifty two. Well, thank you, thank you. So, you know, it was there's a number of things that were hammered into my head. One of them was always be responsive to people, you know, uh, always be responsive. If if you don't have time to be responsive to people, it's not that you're too busy. It's that you don't know how to organize your life and your business, you know. So. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's incredible advice. And it's true because. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I definitely do in my life, as I've always done, is I love reaching out to people because relationships last and build bridges and you can always do some cool stuff together. Whereas if you don't maintain it by not organizing the rest of your life, it it will fall by the wayside. Absolutely. I totally agree. And you know what? There's always a lot you can learn from every single person, no matter where they are. You you know, and so, you know... um, you know, whether I'm talking to someone that's brand new in the business um, or talking to someone that's, you know, been a huge success for decades. I mean, there's always stuff to learn. You know, it's just a matter of if you're if you are listening, if, if you're there to hear it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is an incredible thing. And that's something that you just dropped a massive knowledge nugget there of just amazingness is this idea that if you're there to listen to it, you'll get so much more knowledge just by being around and seeing what's up. And so many people walk around with their head down, they don't really see it coming, but it's so true. Now, I wanted to ask you particularly this question. Before you did Stealth Seminar, what was your actual business? So before I did Stealth Seminar, and what I was making the webinars for was a business called StageHypnosisCenter.com. StageHypnosisCenter.com offered products and training and mentoring and various resources to stage hypnotists around the world. So my profession um, was a stage hypnotist. So I was an entertainer uh, for multiple decades. And um, my wife uh, worked with me. And we always knew that we were going to do a lot of traveling, do all that stuff early, and then have a child later. And so um, we had a fantastic time performing all over the country from small groups of six people to groups of 25,500 people opening up for rock bands and not rock bands, really. We more open to like hip hop and um, R&B and stuff like that. Um, in those bigger audiences, it was opening up for um, um, uh, Destiny's Child and wow. Buster Rhymes and Genuine and these people. Wow. So basically all the people I grew up listening to. <laughs> ah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, probably so. So um, I was very successful in that, and um, a lot of people, uh, you know, had seen that success. So then I was able to start teaching others and helping them be successful. And that's really cool, too, because I have all these stage hypnotists around the world that I still know. Um, you know, in fact, I heard from one yesterday. Um, and so they're still out there having, this guy said, I'm still having the time of my life. Thank you so much. And, uh, so it's very cool. That is incredible. I genuinely love stuff like that, where you just find out that the person had a completely separate business from like teaching people stuff, like teaching people how to market online. Um, damn an amazing business. Wow. That's incredible. Wait, I gotta ask, are you ever going to release a book? Uh, well, you know, I have a book on stage hypnosis. Well, actually, I don't. It, it's out there, but it's not. It's not. I, I let it run out of print because I'm kind of weird that way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes when when things make money, I just kind of let them go, you know. Um, uh, but I I've thought about releasing a book on business on webinars. Um, I, I you know I've thought about it. I think about it once a year. I, I reckon you should, you, I don't think you should write a book on webinars alone. I think you should actually write, in fact, this is an exclusive. I'm going to, I'm going to tell, I'm going to ask you, if, is it okay if I give you a title for the book? Yes, you can. I'm going to type it. So if you hear me typing, that's, that's what good. I'm doing. It's going to be one of two. It's either going to be stealth seminar or it's going to be webinars colon the Jeff Ronning story. Oh, <laughs> um, Main reason is because... Starring Will Ferrell or <laughs> To be honest, the reason I actually say that is because I can definitely see your, your story is in the sense of like, I was this, you know, I went from state, I, I started off my career this way, I met my wife, we had a stage hypnosis business, and then I started teaching people stuff, and then all my years through my business, this is what I found, and you know, it's consistency, and falling apart, and getting back up again, and then there was this thing, and then I had a team built around me, and you have all these separate chapters built up, about the lessons you learn. So lesson one would be, so the first part is your story, who you are. And the second part is the lessons you learn. So lesson that I learned about marriage and happiness, you have to be in agreement about things or um, how you control a crowd in one arena is the exact same as how you do it in another because you have, yes, there's variables, but same principles or, I'm basically ghostwriting your book for you right now and I'm not even conscious about it, that's crazy. Yeah, that's very cool. That's very cool. You know, you brought up a couple points there. Um, uh, the first one is, you know, the life that I have now is so different than the life I grew up in. And, you know, this is not to put down anybody um, such as my parents because they were fantastic and they did the best we could. Um, but, you know, um, you know, I grew up in, a, in, 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 in an entirely different situation than I live now. Um, you know, we were much more um, blue collar. And, um, you know, when I go back to the town I grew up in now and, see, you know, it's just like a head shaker. Um, you know, um, my, my dad wanted to paint his, his, the, his car was a 1963 Ford Galaxy 500. Um, I grew up in North, North Seattle. Um, in a town just outside of Seattle called Mount Lake Terrace. And um, my dad wanted to paint his car, so I never asked him, but I'm sure he got the paint at a discount because who else would choose purple? Yep. So, you know, one day I wake up, he's out there painting his car with a paintbrush. And the crappy thing about it is 
people know that in Washington state, it rains a lot. So um, when it rained, if you touched the car, your hand got all purple wow. for the entire length of time. But anyhow, um, you know, so it is it is amazing how far a person can come um, and uh, to now be living the way that I'm living and to um, be able to do the things that I'm able to do. Um, such as charter yachts and stuff like that is insane to me. Um, the other thing you said that I thought was interesting is um, you said that um, the way you control the audience. Um, and y there would be no way that I would be able to come up with the, the features, the functionality of Stealth Seminar unless I had that experience, that knowledge of hypnosis and NLP and psychology. There's no way because I applied everything that I was doing there into the webinars. And, and so when you, and, and when I say, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm hypnotizing people over the webinars, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is when you look at the features and the functionality and you look at, um, you know, what, what would be called social proof, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, all those ideas that, that were started by us, um, you know, we started a number of things, including the chat replay, for instance, that, that, that really comes directly from, from my performance experience, knowing that, okay, you know, what we want to do is we want these people to be interacting with each other, you know? Um, and, um, so, uh, you know, the, the phone numbers, the phone capacity numbers, the same thing, um, there, you know, um, the phone attendee names, the same thing, you know, because you have a different type of show. If you're doing a show for six people, it's entirely different than if you're doing a show for 25,000, you know? Yeah. So all these things that have become the norm in, um, automated webinars or, you know, are things that you guys come directly. It. Yeah, yeah, and they come directly from, you know, that experience of performing. Yeah, I mean, that's actually something that I find quite interesting and something that I would, that I'm planning on doing after the show is um, actually purchasing Stealth Seminar because uh, I'm about to launch my product and I want to do an automated webinars. So you guys had, like, by the time you actually, this podcast comes out, the course will be out, obviously, and you guys can go through Stealth, my Stealth Seminar work through. But one of the things I find is a, as a, webinar tip for those listening that's actually really bolstered conversions for, for me and my clients is, um, you know, when you get to the bit where you talk about what to do next to buy the product and a lot of the times they say, go to this link, it's either a payment link or it's a, it's a sales summary page. Mm -hmm. Right. right. What, what I find is I, I started telling my clients, you want to have the sales summary page, the order page and the welcome page for your courses, uh, open on three tabs. Um, and what you do is you immediately switch from your webinar to your browser, to a fresh browser that only has these three tabs. And they're like, why would we do that? Isn't that going to break the idea that we're in a seminar? I'm like, it does. And it's positive breaking. They're like, why? It's like, because someone there is going to either mistype or they're going to be internally very unconsciously scared to type that URL out in case they go to the wrong page. So when you show them the page they're looking at, and it matches the one they're seeing, there's connection. And it basically makes them feel like they're there already. If they see mm -hmm. in their mind, they can go there in the body. So if they see that, you talk them through exactly what they're getting, you tell them to click the order button. And when you say click this order button, 
you tab over to the order form and you show them the actual order order form. So when they go, oh, so when I click the order form, it has, this is what I will see. And then you tell them once, you know, they make the investment and once they've registered their email address, they should see this page, which is where you tab over to the welcome, to, uh, the welcome hub and the welcome portal for your membership site or whatever it is that you're doing, that you're delivering on. It could be even a schedule that you have to actually set up calls with you. And what I found was when you, cause you've taken someone through the motions of what they're seeing, what they should see next and what they should see when they're finally completed, it removes all boundaries of fear and actually allows them to go there in the mind and then in the body, which is 80% of the battle. You've now won it. Now they just need to make the choice and move forward if they can or cannot do it. So it's just a fun little um, strategy that we came up with that works excellently on webinars. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a fantastic way to do it. You know, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, we, we're testing it with video sales letters right now, but with uh, classic long form sales letters, I actually have a very specific close that I use that bolsters between 25 to 75, uh, 25 to 37, not 73, 25 to 37% increase in closing rates simply by changing this. But I'll talk to you about that after the after we finish the show because it's a still private thing. I don't want to share on there just yet. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that, that sounds fantastic. You know what you should do is you should put that in your course. It, it is. It is. It's, oh, it's, well, it's, it's module five because uh, so to give you an idea of the course, it's basically uh, I'm sick and tired of people telling uh, spreading this uh, notion that it takes months to basically master the basics of copywriting. It, sh it takes about an hour, by the way. It takes one hour if you have the right, if you have the right tools. Um, so what I did was I broke down web copy, long form sales copy, upsells and downsells and you know basic funnels, email copy, VSLs and webinars and put them all together in one mega granddaddy of a course where I just reveal everything. And it takes about an hour per module to go through everything. Um, wow, that sounds awesome. For upsells and downsells, are you doing written sales letters or are you doing more like a VSL? Both. Tested both. Because oh. um, like upsells are the easiest thing in the world to write for because I'll give you guys the formula. It's dead easy. When someone buys something, you have two options. You can either upsell them to something of a higher price or you can – It's it, it is a downsell, but it's actually an upsell because um, you, you're selling them to something new but at a slightly lower price than what they bought but at a continuity level. So okay. if they spent a if they spent a thousand dollars, you can easily sell them into a one nine seven a month um, continuity program for about three to twelve months. And the way that you do that quite simply is you get on the web. If you're doing a VSL, it's like hey, it's I was like hey, it's Jeff here, and I just want to say thank you so much for getting Stealth Seminar. Um, the email's going to be on its way with you with all the you know with all the information that you've registered with. But real quickly before you uh, go ahead and actually start using Style Seminar, I made a quick little video for you because I just want to tell you about this and then you tell them what you're selling. You just say Stealth Seminar Monthly Club and what we do is and you give them everything that comes in every single month, what's happening, all the other fun stuff and you just tell them how to order that, how to order the guarantee and if there, are any, if there are any bonuses, you put them in there but you really don't have that many bonuses to put into a upsell. And basically that's it. It's, it's like a three minute video, maybe a five minute video at, at most. 
and you just put it out then. That's it. That is your upsell complete. And if it's continuity, you, you tell them that, hey, it's going to be every month. If it's a one-time higher ticket offer, you spend five to seven minutes explaining why the benefits and just put testimonials underneath the video sales letter and you're ready to go. Do you recommend that the continuity is, is sold by a, a free trial or do you do you charge them right there? I charge them right there, personally. I don't, okay. I, it depends what it is. If you're using like a SaaS product like Stealth Seminar or even something like um, Easy Video Suite, which I love as well. What I love to, what I find is that if you do a trial and it's 14 days, yes, it works. And yes, you do get a bigger conversion bump, but your email system, like your email delivery has to be on point for retention. Um, whereas if you actually charge them right up front, what I find is that you still, you, you get maybe 2% less conversion, but you get a higher retention rate. So your hmm. retention in the long term actually tests out better against the short term because the person that's testing for 14 days or 30 days quits because they know their trial is ending. The person that's invested, either they forget, either they use it and love it, or either they believe, as many of us do, I'll save this on the shelf for a rainy day till later. And they keep paying the money. And what happens is it completely loses that scarcity mindset for them. So you end up with a higher level of customer, a longer term relationship with them, and you get a higher retention overall. Yes, you get a lower initial you know, uh, trial rate, you get less people coming through the front door, but the people that do come in through the front door are people that stay and spend more money in the long term. Yeah. Well, that is, that, that is some terrific information. Yeah. Um, that is absolutely valuable. What's really crazy is I always forget this stuff. Like it's in my mind somewhere. So when someone asks me a question, I'm like, Oh yeah. Uh, brain library. Oh yeah. So we just tested this out. Here you go. It's crazy. Um, but something I did want to jump uh, jump across and actually ask you here is when it comes to webinars, what are some of the mistakes people actually make that you find that are quite prevalent? <clears throat> um, I would say the top top three mistakes would be um, the webinar itself is um, not well thought through. It's more of a it's more of a sales. It's it's one of two things. It's either more of a sales pitch or it's just um, a mess. They, the people that are doing the webinar have not looked or learned how to put together an effective way to communicate with people and teach them and educate them. You know, they, they, they just fumble their way through it thinking, uh, you know, thinking their, their charm will carry them, I guess. Um, so um, the number one thing is certainly is the, the contents of the webinar. Um, the number two thing is the opening so uh, when people open the webinar mm -hmm. you know you have a very short period of time to catch their attention and and if if you don't catch their attention and lock them in they're gone because as we know the internet is the great distraction machine so if you're not entertaining them if you're not offering something compelling enough for them to stick around with there's, you know, there's a lot of other places they can go. Um, and, and the third thing would be with the closing. A lot of people get so uncomfortable with the closing that it, that, that it makes the attendees uncomfortable and therefore it hurts, it hurts the, um, the conversion rate. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many bad webinars out there. Um, and there's, there's so many, um, 
there's so many people that are just copying, you know, the bad webinars. Oh, don't. Um, yeah. Well, the point that you just made is actually very critical because um, that is my biggest gripe with any sales presentation. People fumble to close. Oh, and, yes. And yes, it, they do. They go from, yes, it's great to, uh, 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 um, okay. Um, so here's what you possibly can now. do. Maybe um, <laughs> yeah. there's no smoothness in it. And, yeah. You know, that's just yeah. The thing. Something I did want to ask you, though, with uh, what you said about how people actually deliver their webinar. Now, the format that I use, because I'm curious here, the format that I use whenever I deliver webinars for like groups and for other people is I used to do this thing where I would teach a lot. Like I would show them my system of writing copy. I'd do breakdowns. And at the end, I'd just like transition to, by the way, I teach this and more inside my course, go buy here, or I do this and more for you, hire me here. We always did really good closing rates. So we did about 40, 50% just simply on the close. Um, awesome, awesome. But what I always found and what I've always wondered, because I wanted to ask people like you, there's teaching for influence and there's teaching for teaching. There's there's webinars, presentation for influence and webinar presentations for teaching. What have you found is the most effective as in someone that kind of combines the two as in they have a little bit of showmanship, they show you who they are, they build it up, and then they actually give valuable content, take you through the steps and then say, this is just a piece of the pie. Here's the rest of the pie. If you want it, go get it. Would you say that's <clears throat> correct or? I think that, well, that can be effective, but I don't think that can be the most effective. Um, I think that the most effective is to put together a complete webinar that um, will allow those attendees to, to get on there and to learn a little bit about you. Now, you know, some people will do 15 minutes about themselves. Some yeah. people do longer than 15 minutes about yeah. themselves, you know. Um, but <laughs> Far too well. You, you, know, you don't need to do that long. You know, time, you know, the, the length of time does not equate with the effectiveness. So, you know, um, it is important, obviously, for the, for the attendees to, to know who you are and to know why you're the expert, why they should listen to you. But that can be done in just a couple of minutes. It doesn't take 15 minutes of showing, you know. Uh, Every testimonial know. and grade report from <laughs> yeah. the fifth grade of how great you are. Yeah, it doesn't, I agree yeah. with you entirely there. So then, you know, rolling into the webinar and delivering a complete and coherent um, education session which ideally is broken into three phases, three like, um, you know, so you've got part one, part two, and part three of your education. Um, uh, and we always want to be in, in, in threes because, you know, that's the way our brains have been hardwired for thousands of years. You know, when you think about plays or theater or stories, it's, it's you know, 99% of the time it's three acts. Yeah. You look at sitcoms or whatever people, that's how people are used to consuming content. So when you're delivering that way, they're going to be internally comfortable and, and they're also going to feel, um, uh, closure correctly. So delivering that complete training that you can deliver within the time frame you have, you're obviously not teaching everything, you know, you're not even teaching close, but allowing them to get off that webinar and regardless of whether they buy or not, they go damn, that was awesome. I want to be on Adol's next one, you yep. know? Um, so, 
you know, and, and the only exception to that would be in a launch situation, which, um, you know, kind of throws the, you know, it kind of throws all the rules out because basically you're just trying to jam as many purchasers as you can in a short period of time. And you're much less concerned with your future. Um, in that, in that regard, cause you're usually dealing with a bunch of JVs, you know, and everything else. So, but for the average guy for not, you know, probably 95% of the businesses, giving them the best education you can. Yeah. Will be the most persuasive thing that you can do and will contribute to that long-term relationship. Yeah, I agree entirely that. I mean, that was one of the first things I learned being on stage. I remember Chuck, telling Chuck Mullaney about this years ago. I haven't spoken to the guy in a really long time, but I remember telling him when I was on, after I got off stage, it was like, uh, I wasn't allowed to pitch anything. So I had to basically just do a content stage presentation but apparently the crowd wanted to find out if I could pitch anything that two days later I got asked to go back on stage and actually make something up to pitch, which I did. I think I, I think I, I <laughs> that is awesome. Adele. That's awesome. I think I finished with the second highest closes, like with the most second highest amount of sales, not numbers because my product was a thousand dollars and everyone else was like two, 3000. So I walked away with 10. Everyone else walked away with like, Five, nine, seven. So you know, someone else walked away with like fifteen, but they were like two thousand dollars a piece. And I'm like, you guys made more money, but I made more sales on my first outing. Ha ha. They didn't. They 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 made fun of me because I was twenty one at the time. They're like, hey, shabby little snot nosed kid. Go over there. Go sit in the corner. But so yeah. you made you made basically your audience demanded you sell them something. I yeah. mean, how awesome is that? I yeah. mean, that's. You know, the number one reason, in my opinion, the number one reason for, 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 for businesses that don't thrive is that, you know, they don't make that connection with their audience and yeah. they're typically selling the hell out of them, you know? So when you have that connection with your audience and they're begging you, and when I say audience, I don't care if it's email, phone, you know, direct mail, snail mail, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. It's all the same. And, and so here you are in a situation where you give a hundred percent content and those people demand you sell them something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's awesome. That is awesome. That's the reason why every webinar I've actually ever put together myself, I always put together to make sure that can I deliver as much content as possible, which is why, um, one of the gifts I've been blessed by a higher power to, for me, it's God, but for everyone else, it's their own thing. Um, I've been blessed by is the idea that I can, as you probably saw, I was going through it as well, is that if you give me a problem or even just tell me a little bit about your marketplace, I can verbalize your entire sales copy in about eight or nine minutes. I can just like do the entire thing, start to finish in one sitting and just give you the recording and be like, go transcribe this. It'll be perfect run it. You'll make money. Um, and I love doing that. I pick two or three audience members whenever I do like my presentation and I go, okay, ask me a question, tell me about your audience, tell me what they do, what's your biggest challenge. And I just love running through their stuff and blowing their mind. And of course, I if it's live, because I've only done this twice live, I take their mobile phone away from them and I hit record on their voice app and I speak into their mobile phone. I'm like, here you go, you now have a full letter written for you. And that has helped bump conversions just simply because it's demonstration. That's awesome. Yeah, demonstration is so powerful. And, you know, you bring up, you, God, this is such a great conversation. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you know, you bring up something, too, that I think is so important and that people 
um, are hesitant to embrace. Um, obviously, not everybody has your skill yep. to be able to do that. But um, everybody can be spontaneous. Yep. Everybody can, um, you know, be less um, self-editing. Um, and and so it's being able to be free and be in that moment that allows you to do that, to stand up in front of an audience and just say, the hell with it. I'm just going to let it fly. And you have trust and faith in yourself. And what comes out is, is brilliant. And I think, you know, um, not to diminish what you're saying, but, you know, I think I wish more people could be spontaneous and not be you know, so concerned with um, how they might be viewed and allow themselves to speak without editing themselves so much, you know? Oh, definitely. And again, I, I was going to say, what you just said does not diminish what I was saying in the slides. In fact, it just solidifies. I mean, this is the reason why this show actually exists, um, was because I got, uh, this was like, uh, I founded this show. Do you remember the, the time where everyone was kind of trying to be a guru and an authority a couple of years ago? Yes. Have they stopped? <laughs> they have. Now everyone wants to be like an authentic influencer is what they're moving towards. It, it's it's almost the same thing, except for you're more interactive with your crowd. So back in 2013, 14, when I started this show, it was because I would talk to a lot of like great marketing guys and a lot of my friends that were in the, in the business. Because I was like, I'm not really, I wouldn't say... The nice way of putting it, back then and even now, I wasn't really truly known as when someone says, who's a great copywriter, name your top 10. If, it, if my name came up, it was a surprise. It was always a surprise for me. So I'm like, why is my name there? That's really, really strange. I mean, yes, I deserve to be there, but I don't put myself out there like everyone else does. But those people that knew who I was, like, you know, the guys in the higher echelon making millions and tens of millions of dollars, you mentioned my name to them. They're like, oh, yeah, we know Adil. We remember Adil. Adil's amazing. We should, yeah, totally hire him. Go work with him. I have a testimonial for him. So I had, like all this, I had this great rep that I never put out there. Um, and I remember being back then, being friends with these guys, and a lot of them were gurus and so on. And I speak to them. And how they portrayed themselves online to how I knew them was night and day at times. I was like, why do you act this way when I know you're this way? People love this way. The other guy seems weird. So when I, uh, the first guy, he wasn't like this, but he was just a really cool guy to experiment this with me was uh, Marshall Wayne. And I got Marshall Wayne on the show and we had a very straightforward conversation similar to how you, you and I are having it right now. And it was so much fun that it just became a thing. He actually asked me, because Marshall's great at branding. He actually asked me, he goes, Adel, why are you doing this? I said, honestly, the truth is, I want everyone to see the authentic side of my business friends as opposed to this one-sided guru crap. I want them to see that they have kids, they have a fun life, they, they go through breakups, they go through marriages, they go through uh, happy times and sad times and ups and downs and everything. I want people to see that because it's true to who they are. And now today, everyone's kind of like, we're all authentic, we all do the same thing. It just makes me giggle. I'm like, this show's been around for four years and we've basically been doing this with everyone. So, well, so. you were leading, you were ahead of the curve. Very similar to how you were with Cell Seminar. And I'm glad that everyone's starting to come towards this podcasting world with being open. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's interesting how, you know, and there's still those gurus out there. Oh, um, yeah. You know. But yeah, I see what you mean with all this heart built business. And, you know, it's, it's, 
it's uh, you know, but whatever, whatever works for people. But I definitely think believe, uh, you know, and know for myself, being authentic, just being, you know, is is absolutely the best for me. Because I don't want to be like one of those dudes that, you know, someone sees me in an airport and then I'm totally different. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree yeah. with you entirely that like uh, ever since I was 15, I've always said to myself, not when I was in business, I was just like normal. My friends always, uh, the biggest compliment that's ever been given to me, I'm sure, and I would pay the same compliment to you because I'm going to meet you at some point. Um, that's happening, by the way. I love how like strong armed Jeff into like we're meeting and he could be like I don't want to meet this kid screw him he's weird <laughs> I'm just kidding uh, how old are you by the uh, way? I'm 28 oh cool that's yeah. awesome so 28 um, that's a great age yeah uh, it's been a crazy crazy 28 so far for the first six months the next six months are looking good so um, but what I was gonna say was that like the biggest compliment the best compliment I've ever been given from anyone is that hey when you well, one of the best compliments was hey you um when i hear you speak on stage or i hear your emails or i read your posts or i watch you on live or when we speak on the phone and we meet it isn't night and day with you it's the same person it's like you're this weird guy who loves to hug people that likes to have a joke and laugh it's all 100 percent the same and yeah you know we all go through our own problems and at that those times i used to isolate now i kind of just face them but my friends all know this and it's just amazing. But coming up to like my favorite part of the show, Jeff, I have to ask you something. Um, so if you could give three books and there is parameters here, if you could recommend three books to people to read, what would they be? And the parameters are this, two of them have to be nonfiction. So it could be self-help business, whatever it is. And the third one is an optional one. The third one is either an optional of a fiction book or a fictional movie. Wow. So, that's, wow. so I want to see where you go with that. Oh wow! Um, I'm gonna. Here's where I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go to Amazon, and I'm gonna type in some authors. <laughs> See what books come up. It's like who is it? Who's who's good? Because I'll tell you something. I am an incredible. I'm an incredible book junkie. At one point, about five years ago or six years ago, I actually went and. Um, at that point in time, we had an office in a house. You know, I've had offices everywhere, but you know, in, in businesses and in, but this, in, at this particular point in time, we bought a house and we made that our office. And I went and bought um, attorney's bookcases. So I don't know if you can imagine those, but those are like, yep. you know, they're like eight, nine feet tall. Yep. And, and um, you know, there's, I don't know, probably 30 feet of them. And I, filled that bookcase and and still had more books so um, i'm a huge i'm a huge book guy i think it's important to always be reading i agree entirely um just give you an idea in in my 500 square foot apartment uh in my living room there are three bookshelves like hanging bookshelves above my piano there's you know the six foot tall ikea bookshelves they used to get oh yeah 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 I, when I moved to London, I didn't have that much money with me, so I had too many books. So I decided to break that bookshelf down, take the six-foot sides, turn them sideways, and mount them above my TV. Um, so they're completely full of books. Then there's three more hanging bookshelves just above my bed and another big bookshelf with about another 100 books by my bedside. 
and I've and I've only recently just got rid of another hundred so books because I was like, oh, I don't read these. If these need to go to a charity, someone will read them. <laughs> yeah, are you like me? Um, do you sometimes think and go, you know what? Like, I should go down to that charity and bu- charity and buy some of those books back. Yeah. Oh, all the time. Like I've had anxiety <laughs> where I'm giving someone my books. I'm like, I really want this back. Like, really, why did I give you this book? <laughs> Can I have it back now? It's <laughs> just like. Yeah, yeah. So here is so when I look at Amazon, it's not because I'm choosing books I haven't read. It's just because I'm 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 looking at certain authors and then remembering which book I would recommend. So the first book I would recommend is a book called Thrive: Stop Wishing Your Life Away. It's by um, Alan Weiss, who is um, the smartest person I've ever met in person, um, and. Um, so uh, he is a person that a lot, some people either, a lot of people hate him because <laughs> yeah. a lot of people view him and he probably is, um, you know, a little bit um, conceited, a little bit arrogant, um, but, but he's brilliant. And, oh, without um, a doubt. His, his uh, fees book, by the way, was incredible. Oh, yeah. Like value-based so fees. You, Oh, yes, absolutely fantastic, right? And the cool thing is, is everything he talks, you know, he he obviously directs everything towards consultants, but everything he talks about applies to any industry. Yep. So, um, yeah. It's a good recommendation right there. Thank you. Have you read that particular book? I have. Many, a long time ago, so I'm going to reread it again. It's on my Alan Weiss shelf. Oh, nice. Everything Alan's got. And and that's why I got to look at the, you know, everything he's got, I've read. Everything he's he's put out, I think, is extremely valuable. Um, so that's why I had to look at certain. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, I have so many of his books that sometimes I wonder, why do I have so many? Like consulting, I have two copies of the Consulting Bible. <laughs> uh, the only other book, there's a couple of books I have doubles of. One of them was... Uh, Confessions of an Advertising Man by David Ogilvy. I bought it. I couldn't find my copy at home, so I decided to buy another copy on Amazon. And what was really funny is Amazon was like, you already own this book. Why are you buying it again? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know, don't judge me, Amazon. I need to get this book back. The day it arrived, I went to put it exactly where I would put this advertising book. I found the first copy. I was like, damn it. Of course it would happen. Yes, yes. Um, for the second nonfiction book, um, it's it's really hard to choose because, you know, there's been so many classics by by so many people um, that are all so well worth reading. But I'm gonna mention this one only because it doesn't get this author doesn't get a lot of play. Doesn't this is another author a lot of people don't like, but I think he puts out really incredible information. This is, was this information came out before the internet, but everything is applicable, obviously, to the internet. So this is um, more, you know, directed to um, people that are building a business or or trying to put together any sort of uh, service or anything like that. I, I I really just love this author. I think he puts out terrific material, um, and his name is Jeffrey Lant. And the book is How to Make a Whole Lot More Than a Million Dollars Writing, Commissioning, Publishing, and Selling How-To Information. But again, 
if you don't publish, you don't sell how-to information, it's still really applicable. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, not many, you know, almost no one likes Jeffrey Lynn. <laughs> but, I, 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 you know, he's fantastic. Um, you know, I think he really put out a lot of great stuff. I'm not talking about anything he's doing now. I'm not familiar with that. Um, but that book in particular, I mean, I'm, it's going on my order list as well because the way I look at it is, uh, as Dan Candy says, it doesn't matter what business you're in. It's all applicable. Absolutely. And, you know, Dan Kennedy has got obviously awesome materials out there. I mean, anything he's ever done, um, anything uh, Jay Abrahams ever put out. Um, and, um, you know, there's um, there's also a writer, um, copywriter from I believe he's from London that put out absolutely fantastic copywriting books. Uh, he put out two of them, I believe. But anyhow, for my third book. <laughs> Now, you said nonfiction. I don't know if this is, you know, I, I consider this nonfiction, but, but I also might believe in some of it, too. So, <laughs> Go on. so the author is um, Dick Sutphin, and the book is called Master of Life Manual. This is an old one, um, but it's absolutely, I think, a terrific book. Um, and... Um, you know, it's it's essentially like a seminar for for life and um, taking responsibility for yourself. But it's wrapped up really in um, kind of a new age wrapper, maybe adding in some stuff about reincarnation and some other spiritual type stuff. Take that or leave it. It doesn't you know, to me, that stuff doesn't matter. The, the core materials of the book are, are how you need to take responsibility for your life and how you can take responsibility for your life. That's incredible. Yeah. And I, I'll add one more. I'll just add one more since, go for it. since it popped in my head. Um, the third one, and this is really is more of a fiction book, would be um, Way of the Peaceful Warrior. which Brilliant, um, Brilliant yeah. book. Have you read that? Many times. I've seen the movie as well. Yeah, absolutely. Terrific loved book. it. Absolutely love that book. Uh, and Jeff, okay, so I guess my favorite question is coming up. Um, I've got two questions I've got that I really want to ask. These are the only questions I've ever like, written down that I love asking because I love to see how people answer them. Um, so my question here is, when you went through, because uh, I'm, I'm assuming you've gone through this because we all have as entrepreneurs, that moment of crisis where everything's kind of like holy crap it's a come to it's it's a come to truth moment where you where sometimes like your confidence is shot you're below rock bottom and you're on your back and you don't know how you're going to get up how did you go from that level of confidence to building it back up and then thriving again what was what was the system that or the process that you used um so one of the one of the one of the things I learned from Alan Weiss, who we've talked about, <clears throat> is that your confidence should never waver. So you should never be as high as your last victory or as low as your last defeat. So I guess you know, for me, I hate to say maybe the question isn't applicable, but I don't think the question is applicable. Um, well, to be fair, yeah. you've answered it already, and that is your. You know, you shouldn't be as high as your last victory or you shouldn't be as low as your last defeat. That is a very legitimate answer because it's true. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, how did you get out of it? Well, I remembered that, you know, you shouldn't actually do it this way. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, that, that was an excellent answer. 
<laughs> it doesn't apply at all. You've given me the perfect answer. Oh, okay. Well, let's go. <laughs> and I guess my favorite question really is that if you give if you give people three tips, um, anything to do with business life, webinars, whatever it is, for business owners that are either struggling to get back up, as in you know they, they've for so, for whatever reason they were making good money and they've hit a bump, uh, to people that are plateauing in their business or to people that are even scaling. So what three pieces of advice would you give to those three markets or whoever's listening? Um, it could be about anything. It could be life, business, entrepreneurship, how to be happy, anything. Um, I would say number one, um, number one would be, you know, to, um, feel good about yourself. So sounds really basic, almost sounds stupid. Um, I'm saying it and it sounds stupid to me, but what I mean by that is that regardless of what's going on in your life, um, whether it's major success or whether it's, 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 it's incredible failure, you're always going to respond better to something if you feel good. Um, and so if you're not right now in a good headspace, that would be the number thing, one thing I would, I would fix. And I would probably, um, fix that either by going to Amazon and buying some books, um, or maybe going to see a therapist, um, um, uh, you know, cause sometimes when people have challenges, they, you know, it can lead to a lot of different things. Um, certainly like, you know, they can withdraw or they can get depressed or they can, uh, you know, so I would say number one, if I, <laughs> it sounds so stupid and basic, but number one is just feel good. Number two, um, I think is, um, write down, you know, two or three things that you want to accomplish today um, and write that down each day um, and work on and work on those things. Um, you know, I'm a huge I'm a huge junkie for goal setting systems and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, if someone writes down three things they want to accomplish and does it every day. You know, they're going to make a lot of, of movement towards their goals. Um, and number three, you know, it's, it's, it's never too early to start saving money. Um, uh, I would absolutely recommend that everybody, regardless of where your business is at, you know, save as much money as you can. That doesn't mean don't have a great life. It just means, you know, like, like you said, you're 28. Um, you know, um, you know, you, you, it's really, you know, if you could put a hundred grand away at all, you know, that's going to be worth a lot <laughs> by the time you're thinking about retiring. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that's, that's, those are my three. That's awesome. I love that. I'm going to go back and touch on something that you actually said, though. And it's the idea of feeling good. And particularly, I say this because up until mid-March 2018, if someone had asked me on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you love yourself, as in self-love, I used to say 5. And that was me being as honest as I could be. 
after going through like a transformational uh, piece of work that I went through with one of my clients and, you know, it was breathtakingly amazing because I found so much stuff about myself and, you know, guys listening for a long time, you would have heard this. The thing I found that was so powerful for me was I came to a truth and realization moment where I actually only, it was zero out of 10 or like half or one out of 10 that I loved myself. And the moment I started to overhaul that and really start accepting myself and liking myself, guess what happened? My business took off. People were coming towards me. I had more, I had like clients lining up out the door to hire me. Even to this day, like right now while we're speaking uh, and when this is released, I can guarantee you my list size is probably going to grow. I'm probably, uh, I'm not even going to probably, it's my list size is going to grow. My course is going to sell everything. My book is going to be released and be kicking ass everywhere. And on top of that, I'm going to enjoy it whether or not it happens. I'm just going to go through it because I, I feel happy. And you just feel so elated when you feel happy and you just see things in a whole different light. So it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing piece of information. Jeff, I want to say thank you again for actually taking the time to spend with us today on the show and being so open to talk about all the different variants of everything that we talked about today. Um, but yeah, guys, go check out stealthseminar.com. Um, it, it's, it, just use it. If you do any form of webinars, get it. You'll totally be worth it with it. And also check out webinarprosperityblueprint.com um, and just like follow everything Jeff says. The guy's... The guy's an industry legend uh, just for being so out of the box and just amazing as a person. And you've heard that because Jeff is amazing. So, Jeff, thanks oh, again for you're, having me. You're too kind, Adel. Thank uh, you so much. You've been, Thank a, you. you've been a great guest, and I really love and appreciate the fact that you just really kind of brought it out. Um, guys, please make sure you rate, subscribe, uh, comment, review, share, everything you can with this podcast. I really appreciate you guys doing that. And... Um, Hit up Jeff. He's a great guy. He's, you know, he's he's organized, but he'll get back to you as well. He's he's that kind of guy that always will. And check out the books that are recommended. All right, guys. See you on the next episode. Take care.